He once wrote a hundred-page grant proposal and gave it to me to proofread. I was nine. I sat down with a dictionary and I read the entire proposal. This is really good, Dad, I said. He dedicated the work to me. This is for my daughter, Megan, who read this and said, This is good, Dad. He got the grant. I felt respected. He always had his nose in a book, and these were not beach reads. When he read Shogun, I remember marveling at how long it was, and after he finished that, he picked up an even longer book. He could quote War and Peace and Moby Dick. He loved to write. Education papers, a book about teaching that he never got to publish, and poems, some of which I have framed and hanging on my wall to this day. Dad worked a lot, but still found ways to be present. He read and sang to us, took me to clarinet lessons, sat down on the floor to play jacks after work. He was such a natural father that it's hard to believe he almost forewent having a family. As a young man, he'd considered becoming a Christian brother and taking vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. While he chose, good news for me, family life instead, he still lived a life of faith and scholarship, talking to us often about what kind of a man Jesus was. He said we needed to picture the Son of God as a man, doing all the things men do to truly understand him. He taught me to value education and faith, and he made me believe that what I had to say mattered, regardless of whether my siblings agreed. That's not to say he didn't worry about us. Dad observed his children's habits almost anthropologically. Circa 1983, I went through a phase of painting my nails in elaborate patterns, with stripes and dots and zigzags, all different colors, and then I would put decals on them. Linda, Dad said, watching this ritual, I'm concerned about Megan's values. Ed, get over it, my mom said. She's 12. This was their dynamic in a nutshell. If my father taught me to take myself seriously, my mother, Linda, taught me not to take myself too seriously. For her, laughter is the secret of life. A second-generation Italian-American, mom was, and still is, a force of nature. From my earliest memories, she was always beautiful with a larger-than-life personality. For me, her best attribute, and there are many to choose from, is her self-deprecating sense of humor. She's the kind of person who lights up a room. When she's there, everyone feels a bit brighter. When she walks out, the room is unhappier. She has brown hair, or blonde, or red, or some other color, depending on the season and her mood. She dyed it pink once, for breast cancer awareness, she said. She has never struggled to attract attention. For as long as I can remember, everyone has wanted to be around my mother. Mom's sense of humor is among the greatest influences in my life. She is one of the funniest people I have ever known, though not always intentionally. One time there was an axe murder in Del Mar, our Albany suburb. I grant you it doesn't start off funny. Bear with me. The suspect in the case had been identified but not yet arrested and was still free and working at our local vet, as it turned out. My mother brought her enormous Mastiff mix in one day for care, and the suspect in the case helped pick up the dog. He looked a bit wary of the animal. My mother reassured him, Oh, you have nothing to worry about. An axe murderer could come through our house in the middle of the night and she wouldn't do a thing. Thankfully, he chose not to test this theory. Mom has a condition we've dubbed chronic lyricosis. She's always singing, poorly, and with the wrong words. She loved Prince's Raspberry Beret, or as she prefers to sing it, Strawberry Beret. And then there's Credence Clearwater's hit, There's a Bathroom on the Right. Some prefer to sing it with its actual lyrics, There's a Bad Moon on the Rise. In fact, she often mishears or mispronounces things. 
She refuses to properly say the names Rachel or Paige, preferring Rachel and Paige. One summer, our family was served Stolio vodka and sodas at the Saratoga racetrack. My mother was determined to recreate this later, but had a tough time finding the ingredients. No liquor store in the Albany region, strangely enough, carried the brand Smolio. Nine times out of ten, the family stories we devour revolve around something hilarious my mother has done, or some fantastic embarrassment she has brought upon herself unwittingly. Like the time she bought a FUBU sweatshirt at a garage sale and wore it around town without knowing what it stood for. Google it. Or the time she told everyone her cough sounded just like the theme from Ghostbusters. Or when she got a tattoo at age 70, a rosary on her foot. Or when she told us she was the voice twin of Tina Turner and saying what's love got to do with it nonstop for weeks. Or told us she had the perfect country twang and saying peace in the valley with the worst country twang.